Okay, guys, very welcome back to the show. And I've got a very, very special guest on the show today. A friend of Chris Nelson that may get him in trouble. Uh, a man that's been involved in the wrestling business for a long, long time. He's out of the ring at the moment, but he's still doing some external work, which we'll talk about in a while. He's been in the NWA and WWF multiple times as well. And Vito Danucci, welcome to the show. Hey, Maurice, how you doing, man? Appreciate you having me. But, uh, Chris, I excellent, man. Excellent. Look, um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I spoke with Chris. He, he was aware that we we're going to be doing an episode, and uh, he said, Oh, man, you have a great time at Maurice. He's, he's a good time. We enjoyed getting on there and talking and telling stories. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, like I, I kind of approach these things a little bit differently. I like to just kind of sit back, like me and you are just in our sitting rooms now or living rooms as you call them over there just having a beer and just having a chat even though i'm not having a beer i'm having a pepsi max tonight but uh yeah you know what actually here let me see i probably won't have one just yet it's a little early but i got i've, I've got my bourbon with me <laughs> there's a cabinet near the desk <laughs> yes a little uh, early i guess look, we, still here today. Okay, so what we'll what we'll do is I'll ask the question, the generic kind of boring question, but how did you decide that you wanted to be a professional wrestler? Well, for me, um, you know, fan as a kid, like so many other people from the business, um, you know, grew up. And I, I didn't. I'm here in Florida now. Uh, throughout the entirety of my career, I, I've been in Florida, uh, but I, I grew up actually up in the Midwest, up near near Chicago, uh, Northwest Indiana. And, uh, you know, was a fan as a kid growing up watching it, you know, uh, you know, Midwest area, AWA, uh, Windy City, WWA. So, you know, all the AWA guys, Nick Blockwinkle is, you know, that's my hero. Nick Blockwinkle is my favorite of all time. Um, I was a big Dick the Bruiser fan as a kid, you know, the Bruiser and the Crusher and all these guys with Chicago and Indianapolis, WWA, that they were my favorites as a kid, the Hennings, um, Baron Von Raschke, all these guys. Um, Moved down to Florida right before high school and um, started watching some of the Southern wrestling. I, mean, I knew about Ric Flair and Steamboat and, you know, all these legends from Florida and the Southern, various Southern promotions. I, you know, I knew about them, but hadn't really got to watch a lot of them as a kid with where I lived. Um, so coming down here to Florida, all of a sudden, Georgia Championship Wrestling, Championship Wrestling from Florida. It's got you know, there were some channels that carried like Mid Atlantic and things like that. It was like, whoa, this is cool and a very different style than what I had grown up watching. Um, started going to Championship Wrestling from Florida matches. This is back in the early early mid eighties. Uh, after I had moved down here with some friends, uh, was hooked, loved it. Uh, actually, got an opportunity when I was. 14 to start helping to set up the ring before the shows uh, for a few of the different stops in Florida for championship wrestling from Florida. Uh, so Gordon Nelson was the guy who ran the ring truck for them. And I got linked up with some guys that helped do that. And that, that was cool. So, you know, Hey, free admission and got to meet the guys and learn. So that, I thought that was cool. And that was the fun part with that was that some of the guys Barry Windham, Jesse Barr, some of these guys, they would, Steve Kern, 
on the shows that they were at, if you were one of the young guys setting up the rings, you know, they were receptive to answering questions, even getting in there and showing you a few things and working with you a little bit. So that's where I really first started to get to learn. Um, took that next inevitable step when you get the bug, you know, built a ring, uh, had that on backside of where I lived and all that kind of stuff. So we'd go and we'd get work in and it was good. You know, my, my old man was, uh, he was in the construction industry builder, you know, so when we built, when we built it right, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it was a nice setup. Um, so we got and did that and started to learn. And there were, there were multiple guys that were a part of our crew that would come and work out that ended up having pretty good runs as professionals, um, guys from Florida down here. So Cliff Anderson and, um, Dennis, Dennis Bunt, who did you know, so much WWF and WCW TV back in the day when, you know, the job guys were so prevalent. Um, Rusty Brooks was a guy back then. Uh, Rusty was like a, you know, a, a preliminary or job guy, for lack of a better term, enhancement talent, I guess, if we're going the Eric Bischoff rule. Uh, but Brooks was a well-known <laughs> job guy for WWE. And uh, he had a ring set up and taught a lot of guys down a little further south. So some of us would go down there and train with him as well. Uh, so that's kind of how I got started. Um, and then as high school went on for me, my athletics career in high school is pretty good. I was a, a really good football player and baseball player, and I had some opportunities to go beyond high school with both of those. I ended up playing college football. I'd gotten a contract offer to play baseball after high school. I hindsight, I would have taken it, but I, I didn't. I wanted to play, you know, football, American football at that time. Um, I didn't really pay much attention to wrestling or the business from probably the time I was 17 until I was in my mid twenties. And uh, I actually ran back into Dennis Bunt, Dennis Allen, dirty Dennis Allen. Uh, I ran into him again years later and we started talking a little bit. He said, oh, man, you know, you, you're a big guy. You always have in good shape, athletic. And he said, you know, did you ever think about coming back around? He goes, you know, you always had a pretty natural affinity for it. You were, you, you were good. You know, did you ever think about coming back around? And at that point, I, you know, college football was done. I wasn't playing baseball. And I'm one of those guys that I need something to train for. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm great in the gym if I'm training for something. So I was like, you know, maybe, maybe if I just start training a little bit with this and having some fun playing with it, maybe this is a good fit. It'll get me in the gym and have me working out and getting that. We'll give it a shot. So I did start training with Dennis a little bit and some other people. Uh, that developed very, very quickly. And next thing you know, I was getting bookings on some of the Florida independents at that time. Um, a guy named Al Hardiman had a promotion in uh, it was the FWF, Florida Wrestling Federation, back then. He was big. He, was, he would run about three or four shows a month, and he typically drew 500 to 1,000 people, depending on where he ran. He had a nice, nice little gig. Uh, I got in with him. Um, he was pushing me right away. Um, a guy named Bill Weaver that ran over, uh, gosh, what was Bill's CCW, I think, was over in uh, Melbourne on the east coast of Florida. And uh, I started doing some stuff with him as well. Um, my tryout for CCW, I went over there and uh, got in the ring with Jamie Noble. Jamie Howard is what he was known for before he went to WWF. And uh, got in the ring with Jamie and worked with him a little bit. And we got done going at it. And Jamie's appreciably smaller than I am. 
Um, I'm at that point, I was still six, three. I hadn't started shrinking yet. My discs were all still intact in my back, but I was <laughs> six, three, about two sixty five, And, you know, Jamie's, they, I'm sure they claim he's five eleven to six foot. If Jamie's five, nine, five, 10, I'll kiss your ass. Uh, but not a real big guy, you know, in great shape and, you know, God, and then and as now, Jamie could probably still get in the ring and give you a five-star match because he's just that guy. Uh, he's he's still a backstage producer for WWE today, um, but he got in the ring with me. We went a little bit, and he went over to Bill, and he said, "Man, this this guy's okay. You bring him in. He's he's good." I was able to keep up with Jamie, work athletic, and that, I mean, uh, I had so many people over the course of my career tell me you probably came along twenty years too late. You know, you, if if you'd been here in the seventies, eighties. And where then, you know, I showed back up prodigal son style the late 90s, early 2000s, late 90s, you know, 90s when I kind of came back in. And it was different at that point. You know, the, the Monday Night Wars were toward the tail end. Um, the Attitude Era, you know, if I, my size and my athleticism, I would have probably been... Uh, you know, a, a Billy Gunn type, you know, a big guy that, you know, could do some athletic things. And, um, you know, I wish I'd been maybe a little bit earlier. That had been cool. Uh, I, I, it was, it was great. We, we learned a lot. And um, so that's kind of how I got started. Uh, I really just, I started just as like, oh, I'll go back and play with it and see if it gives me motivation to get in the gym and train. It did. Uh, it worked out uh, within I met Chris, you know, I met, I met old Chris Nelson. Uh, I met him early on. He was actually had the book for a show that was running in central Florida. Uh, he, we met, clicked, uh, started using me on his shows that he was promoting, uh, booking for, uh, we started tagging soon thereafter. Uh, I got my name because of the Vito Danucci moniker, because he was mm-hmm. tagging with Dennis Allen, uh, at the time they were called the Hitmen. And um, the plan was that I was going to be like their third guy. I'd be the outside guy, of them. you know, outside the ring and saving matches Security. for him and all that kind of stuff. So we got to have an Italian name. We're, we're doing the Hitman thing. I said, okay. Uh, so we thought about, thought about, thought. We come up with Vito Danucci. Is that <laughs> all right? You know, if, if that works for you, Vito's Vito's about as you know Ginzo as they get. Danucci, we got Dominic Danucci, we got the tie, okay, wrestling, I'll go with Vito Danucci, that's fine, and, and that's what it was, and there we went, and by the time we really started thinking about, you know, like, ah, man, we should do something different, it, it's kind of too late, at that point, you're already out there, you're established, people know who you are, I, you know, it's like, oh, you know what, just let's, let's roll with it, it is what it is, so that's where we went, and that was kind of how Chris and I got started together, um, not too horribly long, after we got together, um, we were tagging. We were tagging as drunken disorderly was our was our first tag team there. And uh, classy Chris Nelson and Big Daddy Vito Danucci. And uh, <laughs> we were, you know, we work and heal. We brawl, have a lot of fun. Chris is, if, if anyone's ever, you know, the people that have seen Chris's work, um, Chris ain't a big guy. I mean, I think we would lie and say he's six foot tall. He's not. And he was a big, thick dude at the time. But he just, I mean, he's just such a smooth worker. Chris was so good in the ring. Um, 
you know, he bumped and sold and fed and, you know, a, a guy, you'd look at him and he did, you didn't, especially at that time, he'd look at him and go, he didn't look like he had an athletic bone in his body, but he was just a bump and selling machine. And, the, you know, when he, his offense was credible looking and he knew how to make guys look good and he would take guys that were green as hell and, and make them shine. And I learned so much from working with Chris, um, you know, Chris, Chris opened doors for me by our association. You know, he got me, he started getting me dark matches and try out, you know, stuff where you're working on like metal and jacked and some of the WWE syndicated stuff, WWF syndicated stuff at that time. Um, yep. Probably earlier than I would have got him otherwise, for sure. But, you know, him being there to vouch for me and he's working with me and we're tagging together and training together. I learned so much from him. Um, you know, I was blessed with size and, and pretty athletic for my size, for sure. Much more so than a lot of guys that had my size. Um, and he taught me so much about, you know, doing things the right way, uh, putting matches together, the psychology of it. And, and I mean, and I was pretty savvy to that as a, as a lifelong fan and someone who'd been around it earlier. Um, I, I understood that piece, but I really got a great look at it through his eyes as a guy who was out there neck deep in it some time he was, you know, 16, 17 years old. Uh, so that, that was huge. Uh, and he opened doors for, for me to start off. Um, I think for us, I, I probably opened some doors moving forward. I'm, I'm a, I'm a decent talker. I'm a good negotiator. I'm a business guy. So the behind the scenes stuff, I was always pretty adept at. Uh, when it came time to start talking about, you know, what promoters wanted us to do, what role they wanted us to fill, what we were going to come in. And uh, that's that's kind of the that's the part I handled. You know, I mean, Chris had gave us the credibility because he was so well established in the business. Uh, I came in and I was good on the business end. And then as a tag team, we were a great fit. You know, Chris was we, we both could cut good promos. We both good talkers. Uh, we knew how to piss people off in the crowd. Uh, you know, we, we, we would get a crowd hot now. It didn't take much. We were good at it. Uh, and then in, in the work part, you know, Chris would be that guy in there bumping and selling and putting, you know, helping us make the babies shine. And when it, you know, when it came time for the heat, we'd come in, we'd get after it. We, we both were, we, we both bumped and sold well. We both know how to make guys look good. The stuff that we did offensively, it looked good. It looked credible. We knew how to work. Um, and, and, and it did very well for us. Uh, it did very well for us. That ended up turning into ultimately three runs with the NWA World Tag Titles. Uh, we had them for the better part of two years. Um, had, a, had great matches with a lot of great teams and, and, and individuals. Uh, both of us, both as singles and tag guys, have had – tons of matches of who's who are wrestling, uh, which has just been fantastic. Um, you know, it's, it's cool, man. You get in there first time you're staring across the ring at somebody that you grew up idolizing and is thinking was, Oh my God, this is it. You know, I, I'm yeah. in the ring in Miami and I'm looking across the ring at Jimmy Snuka going, okay, <laughs> this, this is pretty cool. <laughs> so, you know, that, that, that was fun. And, you know, we got, we, you know, all kinds of stuff. I mean, we'll, we'll, We'll get specific when we talk about it, but yeah, it's just, it's been great. It was an awesome run. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to talk about, we brought it up last time in, in when we were talking to Chris, um, that, that run where 
remember Perry Saturn was on a fucking rampage and then you you fought him during that period as well yeah yeah well he all right so what, Perry what was that like painful <laughs> it hurt <laughs> Perry had all right so Perry in that instance he had worked about it was maybe a year earlier than when I worked him down in I think it was Miami he and I worked against each other and he had worked against um, buh, 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 buh. who was it? He jacked up Mike Bell. Mike Bell and Mike Bell was a yeah. guy who'd been around a while. Uh, had done a lot of enhancement matches. Was a guy that was brought in regularly by WWE. I'm sure he did some WCW stuff too, where he came in and he was a guy that was well known coming to put guys over and, and and do a nice job of it. So Perry beat the piss out of Mike Bell um, about a year prior to that if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then, you know, that was kind of well publicized and, you know, something happened with that. And, you know, I, I, you know, you've heard different versions of it, but it's not like something got botched, something got this, something got, and Perry was pissed and kind of went into business for himself and beat him up a little bit. Uh, you know, it happens. It, it does. I mean, you know, it's just, that's nature of the beast. I've done it. You know, I've had guys that kind of got out of line and do what you got to do, get them back in line. Um, so, you know, whatever happened with him and Mike Bell, it was what it was. Then about a week or two prior to the match that I had with Perry, he worked a guy named Brian Gamble, if I'm not mistaken. And Brian Gamble was a guy that he had a run on TV, like on American Gladiators or something like that. I, it was one of those shows. I believe it was American Gladiators, and he was one of them. And uh, Brian, Brian looked good. I mean, he had a good physical look to him. He was good shape. You know, gym guy, had the blonde hair, athletic, looked apart, wanted to get into wrestling. So when he was training down here, he was training at uh, one of the training schools in, in Winter Haven. It might have been Hardeman's, if I'm not mistaken, but, you know, training over there. Bugsy McGraw was helping train guys over there. Al was part of a few other people. Um, Brian's a great athlete, but he, again, greener than goose shit. I mean, he just was brand new. Didn't didn't really know how to work at that point. He was still really, really wet behind the ears. Um, yeah. He had a match in Louisiana with Perry, and Perry beat the shit out of him. I mean, Perry just kicked his ass. And everybody's like, man, what the hell happened? What is this? The second time this has happened with Saturn. The word that came out of the WWE locker room was that, oh, this kid went into business for himself. This kid... What he was, he wasn't selling for Perry. He told, he's telling Perry he had to get his stuff in because he had family there. Blah, blah, blah. That was all BS. That, that didn't happen. None of that happened. Perry was pissed about whatever Perry was pissed about. Now, what, you know, what we learned in hindsight was Perry was real pissed about his location on the roster at that point. Uh, Perry, you know, he was at that point, he'd come in, of course, the four guys that came from WCW, him, Malenko, Benoit, and, uh, and, um, uh, Eddie, and you know, they all came in together and they were a big deal. And of the four, the one who certainly fell off the most was Perry, uh, probably followed next by Dean. But, you know, Dean, Dean was so respected that it wasn't as drastic as it was with Perry. Perry got relegated to the B shows pretty quickly after the initial burst. He didn't like it. Uh, he was pissed about it. Um, and, and it was becoming a regular thing. So the speculation after afterward was that he probably just wasn't a pissy way and just beat the piss out of Brian Gamble just because he wanted to. So you fast forward to Miami. He and I do our thing. We get together before the show. 
uh, talking through the match. Now, we walk into the building, Chris and I together. We walk in, you know, one o'clock, normal report time for Raw when you're working on Raw. You walk in, and I see as we're walking in toward the locker rooms, I walk past, there's Perry and there's Shane McMahon. And they're off to the side having a very heated conversation. Uh, Perry was not a happy man. And at that point, Shane was pretty heavily involved, if I'm not mistaken, with the syndicated shows, like the, the stuff, you know, stuff you saw on Sunday night, Sunday night heat and all the stuff they syndicated yeah. out and sent around. He was involved with that a lot. Put two and two together. Perry's not happy by the spot on the card, that kind of thing. Okay. Looks like, looks like Perry sees he's working another jacked or metal match and he's not happy about it. That's what I see. So I look at Chris as we were packs and I said, oh boy, there you go. Well, I mean, Murphy's Law, we get around the corner, see the match board already posted up there. Up just for the grill, uh, grill position, I look up, I see the match board. Vito DiNucci versus Perry Saturn. I go, fuck. <laughs> I said, Come on, bro. Really? Dude is already heated. He just beat the shit out of Brian last. Oh, come on, man. Not this. And I just, we kind of laughed. And I was like, all right, whatever. We're in, no big deal. So Perry's not available for a while. We finally get together. We talk a little bit. Uh, we were out by the ring. I I don't know if we got in the ring and went through anything. I don't think we did. I think we just really talked everything through in, in the locker room. And we had the spots called. So went through it. He seemed a little distracted the whole time he's talking to me. He's pissed. Not pissed at me, but, you know, it's kind of like customer service. I'm not the one who did it, but I'm the guy who's going to receive the brunt of it. So we're talking through it. Okay, we got the match. That's great. Get the match time. Bell rings. Intros. Here we go. We get out. We lock up. Boom. Get in. Now, I'm supposed to lock up, and I'm going to push him up against the ropes and get my hands in him and look like I'm getting ready to clock him, and then I'm going to kind of pull back. And, and when I do that, he's going to headbutt me. All right, so he's going to, boom, give me a headbutt. So I, I get him in, lock him up to like this. He goes to head. He's supposed to give me a work headbutt, not take my freaking head off. He headbutts me right on the bridge of my nose. He doesn't headbutt me up top. He doesn't. It's not working at all. He busts through with that big freaking steroid-induced noggin of his and flash me right in the bridge of the nose. Boom, my nose is now a much bit wider than it was when we started the show. And I am, I'm seeing stars, Jesus, and everything else up in the air. I, it's, it's everywhere. I'm like, whoa, I, I can't see straight. My eyes are crossed. Well, when he did that, boom, I kind of fell back like that. And I, I took an ass bump. You know, I, I hit, the, I wasn't, now, the way we'd call, he was going to give me a head, but I wasn't going to bump. And then he was going to go into some offense. Head butts me right in the schnoz. Boom. I'm, whoa. I hit the ground. He's pissed that I hit the ground. So then he picks me up. I caught flippers. I caught forearms right in the temple and the nose and the jaw. Everything was stiff. The only thing I messed up in that match was he went, you know, I, I'm staggered. I, I'm, he shoots me off at one point. I reverse him. I'm coming off the ropes. He bends over. I was supposed to give him a boot. I'm on wobble legs, not there. So when he reversed it, I come off. We, we get it reversed. I come off the ropes. I'm coming up to him. He's bent over. Instead of giving him the boot, I went up like I was feeding for a backdrop. I fed for a back, and I and I messed that up. It was supposed to be a boot. I fed for a backdrop. I didn't know my name at that point. 
Mm. We saved it. You know, he kind of went up through it and read what I was doing. We got through. We did a couple other things, you know, finished up, took it home. He got me in rings of Saturn. Off we go. Okay, good. He gets in the back. I get in the back. He wasn't a total douche, but he he just, you know, he's like, oh, you know, you, you, you missed that spot out there. I said, yeah, bro, I apologize, man. I, I said, I, I know I was supposed to boot you, and I realized that I was halfway up in the air. I go, I, to be fair, bro, you – put my nose halfway across my face with that head, but I didn't know what the frick I was doing 90% of the time we were in there. I'm, I'm glad it got through as good as it did. He's well, yeah, but you still got to hit your spots. I said, uh, okay, bro, I'm not going to argue with him. You know, he's the contract guy. Uh, I'm, I'm not. And and listen, I'm a, I handle myself pretty well. I've been a lot of, I'm not fighting Perry Saturn. Perry Saturn is ex-military dude on enough gas at that point that he was mad at himself, much less everybody else. I didn't want that. All right. <laughs> Michael Hayes comes over to me after, bro, I'm, I'm sorry. I get an apology from Michael Hayes. I get, you know, because he's an agent, of course, and he's, man, I'm sorry, you know, Perry, Perry, get worked up. And you, you okay? I said, yeah, I'll be all right. All right. Uh, dude, in the aftermath, he broke my nose, dislocated my jaw, and I had a concussion. I walked out to my car that night afterward. I, I didn't even, I, I didn't know where I was. I, I, I could have been at the freaking mall at that point. I was, hey, okay. <laughs> but, you know, he ended up getting fired. I think it was two weeks later. And that was one of the straws that broke the camel's back because again, I, I had done enough there and had been around enough that it was known that I, you know, I, I wasn't a schmuck. I wasn't some jackass who didn't know what I was doing in the ring. I knew what I was doing in the ring and I would typically go in and make people look very, very good. Um, so, you know, that was the third time in less than a year that he'd gone into business for himself and just beat the shit out of people. And, you know, we got through it. We got through the match. It, it was fine. It made TV. And I remember I didn't watch the TV match, honestly, for years. I didn't even watch it. And when I finally watched it, I'm like, well, it wasn't nearly as horrible as I thought it would have been. I mean, we, we actually, between the camera crew and us just kind of getting through, we got through it. It was fine. It was, you know, I've seen worse. I thought it was going to be just an abomination. But, you know, that got Perry fired. Part of what got him fired, uh, attitude and just all that stuff. I have said in the past, listen, I, you know, I, my media time in wrestling has been long. I was co-host between the ropes uh, on ESPN and Fox in Orlando for a long time. Uh, you know, I've color commentator on stuff that's been national. I, I, I've been out there. I talk about, and I remember at one point I said, you know, F Perry Saturn, screw that guy. I don't care what happened to him. He deserves that. You know, now hindsight being 2020, I don't feel that way. Perry ain't a bad guy. Perry was a guy who was trying to make his way in the business. Uh, he, he he came across some really rough times, man. He really did. And he came from WCW with those four guys, and they were supposed to be a really big deal. And they were. They were to get started. But Perry kind of got left behind. And, you know, there were things that maybe he was a little bit deficient with compared to the others that got pushed hard and had great runs. Uh, so hindsight being 2020, yeah, it pissed me off that I got in there and just got the piss knocked out of me by him. It was what it was. That's wrestling. Sometimes that happens. I don't hate the guy. Uh, I feel bad for what his plight became over time. Uh, you know, I know sure. he was homeless for a while from what I heard. Um, he had, you know, brain injuries and a lot of trouble for a long time. Sounded to me like at one point from what I had read and heard that he had kind of gotten back on his feet and was doing okay. I haven't heard anything new in a while. I hope he's well. Perry's not a bad guy, man. And I, and I know we have a lot of mutual people that we both know that have told me uh, that, that, you know, 
he's a good dude. Man. He really was. He, he was in a bad spot and it's a shame. And, and I hope he's okay. Uh, but that, let's be honest, for him, effectively, that was the end of him as a relevant factor in wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you ever have any encounters with Vince McMahon during your time there? I know, like you were, you guys were kind of separate a lot of the times. But did he ever kind of give you advice? And I know, like if I go back to Chris, Chris was telling me that he done like some backstage segments and extra work. So is there anything like that that you've done that maybe people don't know about? Couple. So uh, one, it was the sad. Oh man, like maybe the third or fourth time I got booked. You know, for for working on uh, Raw or, or uh, what was it, Raw? I don't remember if it was SmackDown back then or not, but whatever. But you, know, you had the two-night run. Um, yeah. The first time I met him was it was we did a show right before Thanksgiving, and they did a food fight segment that was hysterical. And he was kind of a part of that. He was there and, you know, walked through, met him. And, and, it, and he and I were only a couple of non-full-time contract guys that were a part of that segment. They put us in there because we were a tag team and we were there. So – we got involved in this big food fight and it was, you know, attitude era comedy, that kind of stuff. Met him there and it was just like, you know, I was like, oh, hey, you know, and, and, and it did catch my attention when he met us as we were coming in to do the segment. Shake's hand, real firm handshake, all about eye contact, that whole nine yards. Uh, big guy, you know, he's a, he's a presence then and now, quite frankly. Uh, but it did impress me, you know, when, it, when he, he shook my hand. And I'm, you know, I think for that night, I was probably one of four or five enhancement guys brought in, along with Chris. Um, and when I met him, you know, we shake hands. And he goes, oh, Mr. Ducci, how are you doing? I'm going to see you. And, you know, we can come in. And I say, oh, yeah. And, and I looked at Chris, I go, do my name. Wow, okay. That's impressive because he don't have anything to do with booking, you know, guys like us for those shows. He's going to watch it. If he sees something he likes, whatever, that's fine. But, you know, he's not the one booking that stuff. Uh, so that caught my attention. Uh, the second one, and the one that really got my attention more, it was sometime later. I, you know, it's probably six, eight months later. And you know, we I worked a few times for them in a short run, and then they really weren't anywhere near us in the south for a while. So it wasn't until they kind of came back down our way, and then you know, booked again to go do some matches. And okay, cool. And I remember walking in the back when I got there, and he was over talking with somebody. I it. It might have been Pat Patterson. I don't remember off the top of my head because my encounter with McMahon stuck out so much. But as we're walking in, he's talking, I think, with Patterson. And as we're just walking by, and he kind of caught eyes, and I caught eye with him. I raised his hand, said, Mr. McMahon, like that. And he put his hand on Pat's shoulder, if I'm not mistaken. And he walked over and, again, shook hands. And it was, Vito, how are you doing? Good to see you again. It's been a while. You know, and he, like, literally asking questions that had to do directly with me specific to me that that just blew me away blew me away because it was like again i i had not and never ended up being a wwe contract guy and i worked for them quite a few times but i was never signed um it impressed me that he knew who i was remembered some details and then a guy whose life is as hectic and filled with crazy business as his was and is that's impressive that's impressive. I mean, that's like, wow. Okay. So that, that really struck me. So, I mean, to this day, listen, Vince has done a lot of things over the years that he's gotten a lot of uh, criticism for uh, and rightly so in many cases, of course, 
for me, I, I've never had anything but a good impression of him on a direct personal basis because my encounters with him have been professional and, 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 and quite frankly, impressive because he remembered things about me as someone that would view themselves as kind of inconsequential in the big scheme of things there. And the fact that he knew who I was, knew details, that kind of stuff, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's an impressive trait. So yeah. he's the man. What 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 do you make? Yeah. What do you make of Bret Hart's comments about Barry Horowitz? Brett saying that, you know, Barry should be in the Hall of Fame. Do you think some of some of the guys that done enhancement over the years deserve to go into the Hall of Fame? I hundred percent do. Yeah, I, I really do. And, and and listen, of the guys that are enhancement type guys that you could make that case for, uh I Really, I mean, Barry's a guy that if, if any of them should be in there, if, if any of the enhancement guys from back in the, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s should be in, how do you not put Barry Horowitz in? I know Johnny Rods is in. Uh, I believe SD Jones is in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, they were kind of cut from that cloth. And I think Barry was kind of in that same light as those guys. Barry, to my knowledge, and I Chris and I have a lot of in-ring history with Barry uh, from the Florida Independence. You know, Barry was active and working for a long time. God, he might still work now and then. I don't even know. Barry, to this day, side note, Barry's a vampire because he don't age. I mean, he still looks the same. Barry's still in amazing shape. Oh, my God. The the guy's in phenomenal shape. He looks like a million bucks. You look at him and he could get in the ring and give you 15 minutes today. I mean, he's just he's that guy. Um, kind of like George South, you know, think, you know, George South is still out there and active up in the, up in the mid South area doing the Indies and stuff like that. But George South has maintained such a long career working the independence that now all of a sudden he's kind of become this legend that he never really was as a, as a job guy back in the day for WCW. Now George is this respected veteran trainer and people fawn all over George now. And back in the day, it's like, who, you know, um, Barry was phenomenal. Uh, he's a great worker. He was an over out on in the territories you know when he would go to florida and he would do stuff even if he was putting guys over he was a part of big storylines and 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 a relevant player uh but yeah i think a guy like barry should absolutely be in the hall of fame now at the expense of goldberg listen i'm a big bret hart guy i love bret i've got to meet bret a few times he's he's on that mount rushmore for sure you know uh Listen, you don't have to like Bill Goldberg and you can have your criticisms of Bill Goldberg, but, you know, Goldberg is usually the uh, target of Brett's ire, to say the least. Um, I think Bill gets a bit of a bad rap. Bill Bill did what he did. Bill had his repertoire. He was really good at the stuff he did. Uh, learned how to sell a little bit as time went on to where he could do some functional match work. Uh, but Bill was as big of a box office draw as there was during his time. And let's be honest, the first several times WWE dusted him off and brought him back and plugged him into current storylines, the shape that he's in and the things that he can do and the interest that he generated when he would come back in, you don't have to love him as a worker, but to, to say that he's not a Hall of Fame caliber guy, given what he brought to the business for a pretty long stretch of time, is incorrect. So, no offense to Brett, who I adore, and it just—he's the man. Goldberg belongs in the Hall of Fame, uh, but so does a guy like Barry Horowitz. Absolutely, you know he—he he should give me some Jose Luis Rivera too. Damn it! 
Yeah, actually, he's he's supposed to be coming on my podcast, but uh, that's fantastic. Mario Mancini, uh, Mar- Mario oh, Mancini was kind of setting that up, but I I can't I can't get a direct uh, direct answer out of him, and actually George South as well. Let's listen and Dude, tell any of those guys, George. I've met a couple times, uh, but I, I never got the pleasure of meeting Jose Luis Rivera, uh, Mancini, those guys. But just tell them, coming from a guy who did his own fair share of jobs, I just I adore those guys. They're the best. They, they, they make the wrestling world, world go round, man. They're the ones who make it all happen. You know, they, they, they're the ones that make, let's face it, there's a lot of main event guys. There's a lot of prime guys that suck that if they don't have the guys that are there to put them over and make them look good, they're screwed. And that's what, that's what the, the enhancement guys, the job guys, the guys that made a career of that. You know, I got to do it a good amount, but I came in on the back end of that stuff. By the time I was back involved, a lot of that was over. Uh, so I, I got to put some guys over, but it wasn't like in the traditional guys like that. They were on week after week after week, putting guys over, but doing a great job of it and making people look like a million bucks. So th- those guys so underappreciated. They, they're they the backbone of wrestling, man. Yeah. Yeah. Any memories of working? I know you and Chris worked as a tag team against Be Cool, Scotty Juhadi and Brian Christopher. Scotty is actually over in Europe now, still wrestling. He's coming back yeah. to Ireland here, I think I think in December, and he's doing a big tour of, I think he's in Malta, Italy, France, Spain, England, Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland. Crazy stuff, isn't it? Scotty, all right, so Scotty Garland, one, he's just a quality human being, just a good dude. And I've, I've been around Scotty a decent amount in the years since. Um, you know, he's working again, which tip of the cap because I know Scotty's had some, you know, back and neck issues and things like that. So the fact that he's out there doing it again, doing his thing, good for him. You know, I, I love it. Hope he's safe and well. Uh, I know he's, you know, we've actually, we got some shows we're running down in Florida. Uh, we do typically fundraiser type shows where, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well connected to high school athletics in uh, Florida. So we do a lot of stuff where we do uh, shows where like an athletic department will do a fundraiser. And we book a show for them, put together so they can make some money. Scott is the guy that we will use on those shows when he's available because he's a great draw. People remember Scotty too hottie and they love him. Those shows, we like to get a couple guys that are current. And then we like to get guys like Scotty that were just big, huge names from back in the, the, the Attitude Era and the time of the Monday Night Wars that everybody remembers. But that was, that was my first televised WWE match. We tagged against Too Cool. And... Chris, if he talked about it, he probably might have told the story. I don't know. But we, you know, before the match, we get together, we're talking through what we're going to do. And they were cool. You know, they, they, they knew that we knew what we were doing. They want to make sure we got some stuff in. And it was a good, you know, halfway back and forth match. So we're talking through it. And the thing we always joke about to this day, we'll just, he'll call me and be like, I don't do that on pay-per-view, boy. We, we, we get back there. We're talking about different moves you want to do. He says, well, here, this spot, you know, you come in, you know, give me a boot, reverse it. What do you want to do? I said, tell you what, how about um, come in, shoot me off, you know, we'll duck, reverse. You know, I'm going to kick you in the gut. You go down. I'm going to reach. I said, I'll give you a gut wrench salto. Do that. And and I start, I'm talking forward, like what's going to turn it back. And he, whoa, whoa, whoa. And this is, of course, this is Brian Christopher, his Lawler's kid. And he goes, ho, 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 wait, wait now. And he's got that Tennessee accent. He said, Gut wrench salto, gut wrench salto. I don't do that on pay per view. And Chris kind of looks at me and I kind of look at him. And I said, "Okay, it's, it's a gut wrench." <laughs> you don't do gut wrenches on pay per view, but I'm not going to say that because again, the first WWE TV I've ever worked, like where I'm on. You know, I've gotten some looks, I've gotten, but I've never got to be on before. So I'm like, 
I'm not going to argue with this guy, but what? So we get in, we go, we do the match, and it was great. I mean, the you know, match was good. Um, loved it working with them. And and Brian was Brian was, God rest his soul, man. He was, he had his problems, and God knows that he rubbed a lot of people wrong over the years with his attitude and his personality, and he could be a bit much. Uh, talented worker, man. Brian could work. He was good, so good. They were an excellent tag team. They had a great gimmick. They were so over. Really, I was so blessed to get to work with them as my first TV match for WWE because it really came off so good. They were so awesome to work with. A lot of fun. We, we had a good time with that one. But, yeah, that that's one of our favorites to this day. It's just like we be in the middle of a phone call, and I'll say, yeah, dude, we got to book such and such. We need to do this. Chris, go, gut ran Salto. I don't do that on pay-per-view. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> so, yeah, that was fun. Have you – have you – have you told Scotty that story in, in recent years? Not well, have you enjoyed uh, that? It's been, I probably haven't seen Scotty in person in six, seven years. But the last time I saw him, it was probably six, seven years after that happened. But I said that to him and he started laughing. He says, yeah. He says, you probably threw him up by adding Salto in because as soon as you said Salto, Brown's like, what the hell's that? <laughs> so he knew what a gut wrench was. When I said Salto, he's thinking I'm doing it like off the top rope or something. I don't know. But – yeah, Scotty got you know, Scotty got a kick out of that. He thought it was funny. Any memories of working with the agents in, in WWF and who were you working with and kind of what were they sure. like? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, my match, some of the agents. I, you know, so I had Hayes. Uh, I had Al Snow. Al was cool. Al was very laid back. Um, gosh. My, my favorite, my favorite match uh, <laughs> was when Chris and I worked against each other. And we worked, uh, they had us work a singles match against each other in Tampa. And um, we get in there. So, you know, Chris, this is probably, you know, my eighth, tenth, I don't know, in that range. And I see them working Chris. Now, when I see that, Kevin Kelly was the guy who was kind of the liaison for the office for booking the enhancement guys for the syndicated shows, for the tryout matches, for the dark matches. And Kevin and I went to the same high school. He was, he's a little bit older than me, but you know, I, I knew who he was. He knew who I was. And then when I got into the business kind of went going, there was a nice connection there and friends with Kevin to this day. I love the guy. Sure. Uh, I got one of these days, I don't know. I got a good story about when ROH was getting going. I, I actually had a real shot to be the color commentator with Kevin um, when that was oh. just starting to get rolling. You know, there's some stuff going on there. Um, but Kevin, um, he, he sets this up where it's like, wow, all right, Chris and I are working a singles match here. Okay. Hmm. Chris sees this and he's going, I'm getting my win. I'm going to finally get my freaking WWE win, man. I'm going to get a Fed win. This is amazing. He had a smile that the corners of his mouth were up to his eyes. Maybe they were up to here. He was to the moon, man. He was like, I'm going to finally get a WWE win. You know, guys had hundreds of job matches over the years for WCW and WWE. And he sees he's working me. He's like, I'm getting my win. Oh, my God. He couldn't stop smiling. So... I'm like, yeah, bro, that's cool. Whatever. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to it. We'll figure it out. All good. So Ricky Santana is going to be our agent. Ricky's great, man. 
Love Ricky. Ricky was excellent hand in Florida. Him and Dave Sierra, Cuban assassin, they did their they tagged for a long time. I just <laughs> love both of them. Um, we finally get together to talk with Ricky before the match, and we start rapping a little bit, going through. It's like, well, it's not. Hey, you guys are gonna have about six, seven minutes. We want you to do this. You know, make sure it's some back and forth here and there. And he goes, uh, he looks, he goes, Vito, he goes, listen, you're, you know, you're the bigger guy. You're kind of, you know, you got that, that look, he goes, you're going to, you're going to work baby here. You, you work baby, Chris will work heel. And, and listen, of the two of us, yeah, it makes sense. He definitely looks more heelish than I do at that point. I'm the bigger guy, a little more athletic. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'm the baby. So Chris goes, well, how, how do you want us to finish? He goes, what do you, and Chris goes, what do you want me to do to finish? And Ricky looks at him. He looks over at me. He goes, Chris. Bro, and he kind of motions over and points at me. He goes, dark match. We got to put the pretty boy over. And he points at me. And you saw the color leave Chris's face. He he went from, you know, nice oh and tan. He, he got tanned of work TV like we always would, of course. Like Arn Anderson said, tan fat's better than pale fat. Got to have that. The color leaves Chris's face. The smile drops down to here and all of a sudden it goes down this way and you can just see him like oh he goes yeah he goes v you're going over baby face pretty boy we're putting you over what do you want to do for a finish i go uh i'll hit a missile drop kick is that cool he goes, yeah great great all right good so i say that to chris ricky goes all right good we're good walks away I look over at Chris and I'm trying not to smile because <laughs> I'm, I'm like, he's mad, man. He is not happy. He is, he's not only he's mad, but he's also just crushed. He is crushed all these yeah. years. He's never gotten a fed win. And here I am. I'm in within my first year, year and a half of doing WWE stuff, WWF stuff at that time. And I'm going to get a win. And he's just like, and I'm trying not to smile. <laughs> like, you know, you don't, I said, uh, bro, if you want to, you know, go grab a bike and some drink and we'll, we'll talk to the rest of it. I'm just kind of trying to do this. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I won't make him mad. But so that's another one that has begat another uh, common phrase for Chris and I, when we start talking is that like uh, just randomly, one of the two of us will say, Hey bro, come on, got to put the pretty boy over. And it usually, <laughs> if I say it to Chris, if I say it to Chris, it usually results in a fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I get a big F you, and that's what I get. <laughs> but yeah, that that's the most memorable for sure. I mean, you know, some of the agents there, you know, a lot of them were great. We had, uh, I had one match where Gurria actually was still around, and he stepped in, and they were, you know, busy as a beehive back there, and Gurria came in, gave us a finish. That was really cool. It was like, it's freaking Tony Gurria. Um, so that was fun. But, you know, you know, a lot of different agents over the years. You know, Arn's back there, those guys. That that was always cool. So it's neat because, you know, Jamie. Jamie's another one. Even, even back then, Jamie was still working, but Jamie was getting some time where he's helping put together matches when he's injured, stuff like that. So that was just – it was really cool. Um, always a fun vibe back there. For sure. Yeah, yeah. What's what's kind of current day to day life for you like then? Because I know like there was obviously a lot of stuff outside of outside of yeah. WWF as well. Like what what kind of what kind of role are you doing now at the moment? Sure. Well, right now, I so for me now, I'm uh, I'm actually I'm a teacher, and you know I I went I graduated from the UCF oh. University of Central Florida years ago. Uh, I went there. I I played football in college at Chattanooga and at UCF, but. Um, 
graduated with a history degree, uh, business minor, and I, I got my teaching certificate and all that stuff. I actually started teaching when I got out of the ring full time and towards 40 years old. And uh, I've been doing that for the most part since. So I, I teach the high school level. I also coach. I, I currently coach uh, football in, down here in Florida. And I, I coach girls lacrosse, believe it or not. Um, I've got two daughters that are both girls lacrosse players, women's lacrosse for them now. Both of them played D1 in college. Yeah. My oldest one played at Fresno State. My, uh, my younger one played at Eastern Michigan. I got a son who's a senior in high school. He's a baseball kid. He's a pitcher. Uh, see where he's going to wind up, but he's a talented kid. Um, I've been married for 30 years. I've been married for a long, long time, man. I'll be 30 years this year in November and I'm only 52. So it's not like I'm that old, but, uh, you know, we're, life is good. We're busy. We, you know, we, we live down here in Florida doing our thing, but now that we're still involved with the business as far as running shows down here and, and some of these that we put together, which are fun. And Chris and I work hand in hand on those, which I love. Uh, you know, he and I will be doing stuff together in some capacity till, till we're dead. I'm sure. Um, that or when, when CTE kicks in for both of us, we'll both be sitting there about age 60, 65 and like drooling in a bowl of pudding and going, you know, so we'll see how that works out. But, um, yeah, it's still involved, still love it. You know, lots of stories to tell, lots of stuff to do. We're starting to get out and go see more shows now too, because with us doing shows and running some of these spot shows, it's important to keep up with the talent, you know, who's out there, both older and current with us, the shows we run, we want to have older talent involved that people remember their names and they're a bit of a draw, but then you want to have some of the current people too. Florida is a great place for that. You know, a lot of the current talent lives in and around Florida. So getting them in here for shows is, it's not hard. So that's, that's pretty cool. We got one coming up where we're going to have uh, the headbangers and gangrel on the show. And uh, then we'll have, lovely. Yeah, it'll be awesome. And then, you know, headbangers are walking the park night off. Love those guys. Love working with them. Pisses me off that they're still working and Chris and I aren't. But, hey, that's fine. Um, we have a good time with that, though. So fun stuff. Fun stuff. But, uh, yeah. I, yeah. We'll Gang, get, Gangrel was over here recently as well. Who was? Gangrel? Oh, Gangrel has been over here. Yeah. RVD, Rob Van Damme. Yep. Bit, they, they do a lot in Ireland as well. They'll put the kind of ex-WWE guys. John Moxley is actually coming now in in October over to Ireland for a big show here in the National Stadium, which is pretty cool. One, one but AEW have, have fucked that up twice already, so hopefully they let him yeah. go this time. I love that AEW lets their talent do stuff outside. I think that's fantastic. And I know that's one of the reasons John likes working with them as much as he does because he gets that freedom. And John's a guy who likes to do those shows. He likes working overseas going to japan going to europe he loves doing that stuff that's important to him and the fact that tony khan gives him the freedom to do that uh that's that's pretty cool you know I, he gets to scratch that itch which let's face it with wwe that's not going to happen um at least not not the way they run it right now maybe that'll change when ownership changes who knows uh, I, I doubt it though i really doubt that i don't see that happening so it's, it's what do you what do you think about yeah, what do you think about AEW? Potentially, it looks like there's going to be like ninety thousand people in Wembley next next Sunday at this thing. It's Isn't amazing. that crazy? It's amazing. I, I and 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 listen, it, one, it's cool because it shows the hunger that the fans have for pro wrestling. You know, what I mean, AEW is a good product. They've got 
crazy good talent. They really do. The, the talent AEW is second to none. I mean, there's a, there's a great roster. There's a lot of name value. There's a lot of in-ring talent that can go with anybody. So anybody who tries to say that AEW is a subpar product as far as the talent and name value, stop it. That's that's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. Um, they've done a great job. The, the Brits, the fans in, in Britain and the UK in general are phenomenal. I, the Irish crowds are great crowds. The British crowds are fantastic crowds. Um, you know, 90K in Wembley is amazing. Um, you know, there's there's always the naysayers, the detractors, you know, people saying, wow, the full card's not posted yet and all that kind of stuff. Hey, man, stuff happens. Adjustments have to happen. Danielson being hurt, some of the injuries they're having. I think Jamie Hayter's out, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, you know, it's it, it affects booking. It makes it tough, but I think it's going to be, you know, amazing. I guess it's going to be, we'll see what happens here with Cash Wheeler. Uh, he had his little dust up this weekend. Where yeah. Apparently he flashed a gun at somebody as he drove by him or something because they were driving erratically and you can't do that. Um, FD, I listen, now I, you know, I, I mentioned Cash. That was stupid. He's going to probably end up getting fined pretty heavily. There'll be some stuff. Involved. He didn't shoot anybody. He didn't go. You know, he, he did something dumb. Um, it is what it is. Yeah. I hope to God. This this is fan me speaking here. I hope to God they don't make FTR put over bucks. I really hope they don't make FTR put over the bucks. I think FTR, they're, <laughs> they're, they're the best in the world, man. They're so good. They are just so damn good. They can work with anybody, any style, anywhere, anytime. They do it with psychology. They make it make sense. I just, I love those guys. They, FTR is everything that I wish Chris and I could have been as a tag team. They're so freaking good, man. I just, they're, they're just a joy to watch. I don't stop to watch much of anything now. If I'm watching wrestling, it's usually with intent. Talent that I know is available to work on shows, I might want to watch and see what they're doing. I will stop what I'm doing to go watch an FTR match because they're just, they're that damn good. Uh, so good. So we'll see what happens with that. But I just, I listen, I, I want AEW to succeed, to continue to succeed and continue to grow and thrive because the wrestling world needs that. It, 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 being a, you know, being a WWE and a bunch of who is no good for the business. We need viable companies. We need viable options sure. for talent to be able to go to. And honestly, the leverage that the talent has by being able to go to AEW and get a legitimate contract they're not getting what they need in WWE is that that's huge. And we need that. I, you know, impact has survived all these years. They're still there. They're still an option. They still have some pretty heavy name value and impact, but I know that that company's, you know, it's never quite gotten to where they wanted to get to for sure. They, they've had some ups and downs and better periods and not, they're a little bit of a, a clear third choice of the big three at this point, for sure. Uh, but you know, they're still there. They're still viable. They still put on, you know, weekly shows that are out there on a national basis. They still got a lot of good name value there. Uh, I'm a fan of the idea of AEW and I want it to, I want it to be successful. I want to see it thrive and succeed. I got a lot of friends in AEW, uh, that are part of that organization that, you know, I know the brain trust is there. Jerry Lynn is just a stud of a dude and he's a great mind for the business and a great teacher of the business. Jerry's there. Um, you know, Chris Daniels is neck deep. I've spent a lot of time over the years with Chris Daniels, you know, on the road, you know, different shows together, stuff. And he's just a great guy. Uh, Chris is a phenomenal talent, still can get in there and go with anybody. And I think he's damn near in his mid fifties at this point. 
Um, you know, it doesn't look like he's gained a pound uh, and, and still yeah. keeps himself in great enough shape that he can go. Um, so many good people involved in that company. Um, I, I really hold out strong hope for them that they're going to continue to grow and thrive and get better and continue to be that viable other option. And I, and the, the business needs it. Yeah. Uh, Vito, Larry, I think we'll have to do a part two for this show, but uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you today. Some nice stories in there and we didn't even really scratch the surface yet. Oh, any, anytime, man. Love talking with you. Enjoy any, Getting to talk in this type of format, good audience, and, and, and you know, just being able to kind of tell some stories and talk about, you know, intermix the current and the past and all. I, I love it. Anytime you want to talk, you let me know. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do a live show next time where we get some of the fans involved. Awesome. Let's do it, man. That sounds great. That sounds awesome. great. Cool. Thanks so much for your time today, man. I appreciate it, Maurice. I'll talk with you soon. Cheers, man.